0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast where we chat everything and anything related to the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Kelly. I am a drummer turned comedy singer songwriter and apparently now a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within, arguably the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottcowey.com, on Stitcher Radio, and now on iTunes. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the show. this week on the podcast Muriel Anderson phenomenal guitar player always been a massive fan of her work and she's coming on with not just one guitar but I think two or three amazing stuff it's all coming up before we get to the interview I am joined now by someone who I consider to be a very good friend the frequent co-host perhaps Italy's Greatest violin player. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the one, the only, Nora Deborah Germaine. Nora Deborah Germaine, Debbie, Debs, how are we?
1: Oh, you know how Debbie's doing. Nora
0: Germaine is on the podcast. Nora Germaine is on the podcast. She's a millionaire now because of a pledge campaign. Nora. Yes. Germaine is on the podcast. Thank you, Scott. She's a great violin player. I think I'm a really good singer. What do you think?
1: I think that... um, That's beautiful.
0: Nora, tell me what's been happening since the last time we spoke, right? You're doing the book. You're doing the album. You're really, really busy. Oh God,
1: I'm so busy. You have no idea. Every day I get up and I work all day. I go to bed around 3 or 4 a.m. And then I get up and I do it again. And I, well, I've been playing a few gigs, you know, I've been doing some stuff. And I'm going up to Idlewild, which is where I went to high school.
0: Woo, the Big Apple.
1: Yeah. I'm going tomorrow for a big concert. And then I've also got a show on, um... I've got a few shows late in October in LA, but I'm just really busy trying to get all this stuff done. It's really overwhelming. But I'm having a lot of fun and I want you all to know I haven't forgotten about you and I love you all. And this podcast is my happy place when I have nowhere else to go.
0: Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's the thing, Minora, when you think she's been really sentimental and being nice, she'll be a bitch ten seconds later. But that's that's why we know and love her. Isn't that right, Nora?
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Nora, it's important. Um, we laugh and joke a little bit in this podcast, okay? But uh, to be totally serious, you genuinely are a great musician. Um, you're a really good friend of mine. Um, you've released several albums now. You're working very, very hard. But I think what everybody wants to know is, and I'm going to push you for an answer here, right? Because I know you do a lot of interviews and a lot of the stuff is kind of fun that we do. But I really want to push you for an answer here, right? And don't avoid this question. Would you rather be Batman or Spider-Man?
1: Oh, that's tough.
0: I'm going to push uh, you for an answer.
1: Yeah, I know you are.
0: Um, right, tell uh, me, tell me what's going through your head at the moment. What's the pros and cons of both? Hit me. What's the thought process?
1: thinking about first off the superpowers second off the outfit third off the love life and just the general life circumstances of each of these characters.
0: Right okay so the, the um, love the love life of Batman differs from the love life of Spider-Man this is what you're thinking coupled with outfits this is what's going through your mind right okay
1: yeah well I'm thinking you know maybe like you know would I rather have the Batmobile with that underground lair or would yep. I rather be able to like swing with spider webs around town you know, I'm mm-hmm. like which yep. one, and also which outfit is just sexier. I think I would probably be Batman, probably. Right, okay. But it's a tough choice. Okay. I think I would be Batman because Batman is a little bit more my style.
0: Right. Plus, Batman has got the whole uh, Bruce Wayne's got the whole empire as well, Bruce Wayne Enterprises.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What, what does right. the yeah. other guy do? Who's the, who's the guy that plays the, the Spider-Man? What's his real name? Peter Parker, no?
1: That, well, that's his name in the movie. It's Tobey Maguire.
0: Right. But what What's the... Not the, the guy... But what's the character? Is that what the character is? Oh, Peter
1: Parker. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. So what, is, right. what
0: does he do? What's his nine to five?
1: Um, he... What does he do? He. Well, he went to college for a while. I don't know what he's doing now. He was like a student and then the pizza... Delivery or some... Right, some right. well, Bruce,
0: Bruce Wayne certainly got more stuff going on during the day that's on a higher level. Would yeah, that be fair well, to say?
1: Peter's, Peter's kind of a family man, you know, and he's got uh, his love interest, which is seeming to work. And then... um.
0: Bruce Wayne's a little bit of a lost soul. Is that a fair comment?
1: I think so. I mean, he's really wealthy. Yep. He can have anything. I think Peter is a little bit more of a simple guy, you know, jeans and glasses just walking around.
0: Yep. So we're going to opt for Batman. We opted for Batman, right? Okay. Yeah. Second thought-provoking, introspective question. Would you rather have a dragon or be a dragon?
1: Be a dragon.
0: Why? What made you decide that so quick?
1: Because having a dragon would be really dangerous. And being a dragon is only dangerous for other people
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's good we like that right
1: because you know, if you if you buy a dragon think about it, you have to keep it somewhere it's going to be breathing fire you have to feed it you have to give it a bath you've got to talk to it you got to keep it contained if you're the dragon it's like hey man i'm the freaking dragon
0: <laughs> i quite like that hey man i'm the freaking dragon that's a good yeah. opening line when you walk okay. in a bar Right, okay. Oh, yeah. How do you react when you encounter a homeless person?
1: Um, what do you mean? How do I act? I mean,
0: okay, you walk down the street, you see him a homeless person, what do you do? Uh,
1: walk by, or if they're begging for money and I have some money, I might give them a little bit.
0: Okay, what inspires you
1: to give money to homeless people?
0: No, what inspires you? Right, we're done with the homeless person, right? We're oh, done with okay. forget the homeless person, right? You walk by him, you don't give a shit about him. Right.
2: That's true.
0: Okay, you've you've given him you've you've breathed some fire in his face because you're also a dragon, right? But in general, not as your main world. What inspires you?
1: Do you think dragons have money, like dragon currency?
0: Uh, I don't think so. Do you think they communicate with each other? Totally. Like, if you were a dragon, what would you say to another dragon?
1: I would fucking blow his face off.
0: Why? Why would you? Well, because he's stolen some of your currency. Yeah. Why would you? Why? Why are you so ho- hostile towards? To,
1: if he's not giving money to the homeless, I guarantee you, I'll blow his face off.
0: We're getting them all mixed up here. But that being said, and and going back to Nora, the person that we know, the human being, what inspires you? Um, nature.
1: And the human ability to look at a problem or look at a situation and to make the choice to change what we're doing or be better using facts and logic and compassion. I think it's amazing that human beings can do that. Whether you're playing the violin or you're, um, whatever you're doing, the human mind is amazing. You can see that there's an improvement that needs to be made and you can resolve to do it. That, to me, is great.
0: We're going to cut to the interview just now, but when we come back, Nora's going to tell us whether or not she is holding on to any past mistakes. And she's also going to tell us if her goals and dreams are written down. Okay. I question anybody to look me in the eye and tell me that that's not interesting. Because I'll be honest with you. I really think it is. We're cutting to the interview. We're coming back with Nora. It's all coming up. Okay, I am back on the Talk Music Podcast. And I am joined now by phenomenal guitarist Muriel Anderson. Muriel, how are you today?
3: Oh, just fine. It's lovely here in Long Island today.
0: Okay, it's not so lovely here in Scotland. Um, you probably know we get horrible weather all the time, but um, I'm, glad yeah. it, I'm glad it's good somewhere in the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So a um, very exciting week for yourself. The new teaching DVD has been released. Tell us about that.
3: Well, it's, I'm really excited about the new DVD because I've done quite a few instructional courses for True Fire and, uh, and instructional books as well. And most of them have been aimed at uh, intermediate to advanced players. And this is my first one that's really easy, easy to easy intermediate. And uh, I wrote and arranged uh, some tunes that are very accessible and fun to play and, and sound good. So I'm, I'm excited about the new course.
0: Absolutely. Now, there's been a lot of stuff that's written about you online recently, especially the new DVD. Everybody's really excited about it. Now, tell us about the development of your relationship with Les Paul and how that came to fruition as well, the new book and everything that goes along with it.
3: Yes, uh, right at the same time that the the DVD, what do we call it? The, uh, Essentials Fingerstyle Guitar, it's called, uh, right, right at the same time that that was released, uh, Stephen Johnny of uh, WGN Radio Chicago wrote a book on Les Paul and all the people that he touched. And there's uh, two chapters there uh, about me and um, the uh, relationship uh, that was built amongst Les and all these other players. So uh, it's called A Little More Less. And I first met Les on uh, Steve and Johnny's radio show. Uh, so that's, that was the tie-in. And I played this tune called NOLA on there. And then after I played it, uh, they said, oh, there's a caller on line one. It's Les Paul. Wow. And I thought somebody was pulling my leg. But he came on live radio and he said, well, I really like your playing. And uh, if you're ever in New York on a Monday night, come sit in and play with me. And I did many times and then later invited him to come and join me for a show that I did uh really to honor him uh it's one of the all-star guitar night shows and he came to nashville we co-hosted the show and it was really a great event
0: that's amazing now so many people know of les paul of course for the famous guitar les paul but i think a lot of people um well perhaps a younger generation muriel um, don't realize how much of a great guitar player les paul was uh
3: yes and innovative in so many ways uh he, had the, he was the first with the idea of speeding up and slowing down tracks and recording one sound on top of another. He called it Sound Down Sound. So that was the very beginning of multi-track recording. And he was the big innovator in that. And a lot of people credit him in um, inventing the solid body electric guitar as we know it today. Uh, so that's the famous Les Paul guitar. He was right there from the beginning.
0: Amazing. Um, Now, of course, you're very well known, particularly from your classical influence as well. And of course, that comes across in your guitar playing. Can you tell us about your love for classical music and generally how that's impacted on your composition as a whole?
3: Well, it's funny because uh, growing up, I was the one kid in the family who didn't really like classical music. (laughs) (laughs) I, I really liked bluegrass and international music and jazz. Folk music, um, and uh, but you know all the same, you know I heard music really in my womb. My mother was you know would nestle up against uh, the piano with her tummy when I was in there and, and play the piano. So I, I heard the that music since before I can remember. So it was kind of ingrained in me, uh, just the the whole beautiful structure that, uh, that those compositions have. And it wasn't until later, I, um, I heard the music of Christopher Parkening Mm -hmm. and, and these long, beautiful phrases. And I said, wow, how can the guitar sound so beautiful? And I really fell in love with the classical guitar. And so that kind of opened a new, um, a new chapter for me. And, And I started, uh, studying classical in college after having done those other styles. But, you know, all, all along I uh, I always had music in my head and sometimes uh, I would get up to turn the radio off and, you know, I was hearing this beautiful symphony orchestra with a violin soloist. I got, got up to turn the radio off and it wasn't on.
2: <laughs> so uh,
3: that was just music that was going in my head. And... So I wanted to capture some of it, so I learned how to write some of this down. So I tend to write more uh, more in the classical vein and play more in other styles.
0: Right, interesting. Now, I'm really glad that you mentioned bluegrass there because I was hoping to go on to that as well. Can you remember the first kind of bluegrass artist or band that you heard and what drew you towards that style?
3: Yes, my first guitar teacher had recommended a uh, an album by Doc Watson, so old country picker, uh, just who played with so much heart and soul. And I couldn't believe how wonderful that music was. I just played it over and over again. And uh, I really think he helped me through my adolescence, just you know, listening to that music and trying to learn every tune on that LP, on that old record.
2: Excellent. And then
3: later on, later on uh, I played in a bluegrass band uh, in high school and in college. And uh, we played at Bill Monroe's festival, and uh, so Bill Monroe was just uh, a huge influence. Being able to, you know, hang around with the with the band, with his band, and really learn from the the originals, the masters. There.
0: Okay, you mentioned bluegrass there, which I'm very excited about because I know you're a, you've been famous for for playing that style of music for a long period of time now. Um, now, can you give us a little bit of a demonstration of what that style involves and everything? Like we said, you've been kind enough to bring your guitar on today. So if, would that be all right to give us a bit of bluegrass? Well, I have my
3: classical guitar with me, but uh, I, can, I can do a little bit of, of it uh, using some different techniques. It's not a standard bluegrass technique. So I'm going to use some claw hammer banjo techniques, some bluegrass banjo techniques and a little mandolin technique. And so I'll uh, eventually imitate the sound of, of all the instruments here. So I'll start with the claw hammer. (laughs)
0: <laughs> just
3: a, little, a little synopsis of that.
0: <laughs> That's absolutely fantastic. Now, I'm going to read you a quote just now, Muriel, okay? And it's from Chet Atkins saying, Muriel Anderson is a good friend and a great guitarist who deserves national recognition. Uh, now, tell us about the first time that you heard Chet Atkins and indeed the first time that you met him as well.
3: Well, I took mandolin lessons from Jethro Burns. And... And I played uh, played a tune for Jethro, and he said, oh, you've got to meet my brother-in-law, Chet Atkins. Mm-hmm. So it turns out that Jethro and Chet married identical twin sisters. Mm-hmm. And so Jethro made the introduction the next time that, that Chet came to Chicago, where I was living at the time, and he said, well, um, I'll send you a, you know, a, I'll I'll send you a tape of tunes that you can learn for your hotel gigs. I I wasn't playing concerts yet. I was just playing in a hotel lobby. And I didn't think anything would happen of it, but uh, a couple weeks later, I got this tape in the mail. Tunes that Chet had recorded specially for me. And so I learned them and sent sent Chet tapes of some of the tunes I was writing and some of the things I was working on, and then he sent me some more tapes. So we sent tapes back and forth for a while, until finally uh, I came down to Nashville and uh, was able to learned some things directly from him. So he was a big influence in a lot of ways. And and uh, I wasn't the only one, he mentored a lot of people. So he was really supportive of young talent.
0: Amazing. One of the people that he did mentor, of course, is Tommy Emanuel, who you had the chance to as well to perform with on stage too. Tell us about your relationship with Tommy Emanuel over the years.
3: Well, I first heard him play at uh, the Chet Atkins convention in Nashville. And it was a time that I was kind of, you know, losing a little enthusiasm for music. It was just, you know, kind of hitting a, a dry spell. And I heard Tommy play and I said, that's it. That's the love for music right there. And it rekindled uh, my enthusiasm for music. And so, the, you know, people know Tommy for his incredible virtuosity in so many styles and, and is such a great showman, exciting on stage. But he also has the ability to encourage people and uh, encourage a lot of players. So it's um, it's really great what he's done uh, for for all of us, giving us all inspiration.
0: Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you were going through that period of feeling a bit down about music, and, and he revitalized that. That's really really interesting.
3: Yeah, yeah so he's, it's really special for me, you know, that he uh, uh, found me at that time, and and then just. Uh, you know, when I heard him play, I said, that's it. It's great. And so he's invited me up on stage a couple of times. Uh, So it's, uh, I really have a lot to thank him for.
0: Brilliant. Now you've collaborated with him. You've collaborated with a lot of different people. Is there anybody that you would like to work with in a live or recording setting, any musician at all that you've not had the opportunity to work with yet? Is there anyone that springs to mind?
3: Uh, yes, there's a percussionist named uh, Mino Cinello. He played at one of my all-star guitar nights uh, just last January um, and just played with such feel. And I hadn't been so inspired by a uh, drummer or percussionist since I met Danny Gottlieb, since I first heard Danny Gottlieb play with the Pat Metheny group.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And so uh, I... Um, would really like to play with them in fact we're, we're planning some shows together now in, in January so I'll get a chance to play with them for the first time out in California
0: Wow that'll be very very interesting indeed look forward to hearing that now um, your arrangement of a, a song that you do called Close to You very very nice indeed uh, like I said earlier you've got your guitar with you can you give us a demonstration of this track and maybe tell us how yeah, the the composition of the song came about
3: Okay, uh, this is an arrangement uh, of a Burt Bacharach piece. And when I first heard the recording, uh, Karen Carpenter's recording of this tune, the thing that really struck me was the piano player in that recording. And the piano player was going, you know, chunk, 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 chunk in the middle, this great little feel. And I thought, well, gee, I wonder if I can uh, capture that. Uh, so if I can capture that little chunk, that little in the middle, the piano player is doing, well, I play the part of Karen's voice singing freely over that. That was the challenge and the intrigue about this. So it starts off with this little uh, little piano lick, and I do one harmonic in here uh, to get that all the notes.
2: Chunk in there in the middle.
3: Now, here's kind of a little dippy melody. So I do this in harmonics to make a little more interesting right there. She goes up a half step, but I figure I'm not singing it, so I can go to any key I want to. How to get back to that. So I do this little riff, change the bass note, work down, and now I'm magically back to the original key. Where the chick stingers come in. So I kind of spread that out, spread out those chords. Now I'm gonna work my way down. I just added this little bass line and this ending. So there I just pretended I was Burt Baker and wrote that little ending parts instead of a fade out. So that
0: I can end on this chord. Oh, wow, that's beautiful, Muriel. That's lovely. Thank you. The really. challenge
3: is to talk and play at the same
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> very entertaining. Very, very good. Now, um, you've been, you've had so many years of success within music, and and you've definitely kept up with the times. Obviously, your web presence is really, really strong. Um, is there any advice that you've got um, for young, up-and-coming artists, guitar players? Um, just generally um, just general advice in the, the, the industry and, and how to kind of be successful within it.
3: Yes, I think that in this day, it's, uh, you know, the paradigm is changing all the time. So th- there's nothing that you can say, well, this is a path that works. Uh, after all, I took a path that wasn't even there in my music. <laughs> and, you know, kind of created it from the ground up. Um, playing all different styles in the same show. But if you can, think of if you have something that you can offer to people um, that will improve the quality of their life so much that they would actually pay money for it, Mm. then you have something. And that can be anything. If it can be your poetry that touches the soul, if it can be how fast your fingers can move, (laughs) if it, you know, but then does that really improve the quality of somebody's life to see your fingers move fast? Maybe not. Maybe you need... TO DELVE DEEPER AND FIND SOMETHING THAT WILL. AND SO I I KIND OF KEEP THAT uh, BECAUSE IF SOMEBODY'S GOING TO BUY MY MUSIC OR uh, GO TO MY SHOW, uh, I HAVE THE RESPONSIBILITY OF IMPROVING THE QUALITY OF THEIR LIFE for FOR THAT TIME
0: interesting very interesting take on it indeed now um i can't not bring you onto the podcast and ask you to play um, a song yours that i really like <laughs> called a view from space of course i think you've got your heart with you if you could be so kind Muriel, if that's all right
3: sure a lot of my music is on my website so if you want to learn any of these close to you or view from space um you can download the sheet music right from murielanderson.com sheet music and tab is there And I've got some little tutorials on my YouTube site. So I'm doing a a very specific technique with this that's mixing harmonics and regular notes in a little different way.
0: Okay, Muriel, lastly, tell us about, of course, on your website, you can log on to murielanderson.com forward slash nightlight. Now, very interesting, the fact that this has won 11 awards. you got to tell us all about this CD.
3: Oh, thank you. Uh, it was really um, an expression of love, I guess you could say, because I, I wrote and arranged a, an album's worth of lullabies as a present for my best friend's first baby. And I'd only intended just to print two copies of that. And then um, a year later, you know, he and his wife had their second baby. And so, you know, the second baby needs something, right? (laughs) And so I figured, well, I I better record an album of music to wake up to then. And so that became, those two albums became what eventually turned into Nightlight Daylight. And I brought in uh, just some wonderful players, uh, Phil Keggy. Um, Tommy Emmanuel plays on there and Stanley Jordan, Earl Klug, uh, some vocals done by Take Six lead singer Mark Kibble and uh, Victor Wooten, Danny Gottlieb. So they, they all came in and just made the music come to life. And so it was just such a joy to record And that I thought I have to do something special for this. And I had an idea for uh, an album cover concept, so now that I had a music to wake up to and music to go to sleep to, I figure, well, maybe I can use the album cover concept for this. So this is the first CD now that lights up with fiber optics. So when you push the moon, the stars and fireflies light up, and you can you can see a little uh, little video of that uh, on MurielAnderson.com/nightlight. And I also put a free bonus track there. So if you want to just uh, upload the, um, the free MP3 uh, that we put put up just um, just for your listeners and for people who go to that, that page.
0: Tell you what, Muriel, you might just be as good a salesperson as you are a guitar player. This is some <laughs> great stuff. Murielanderson.com forward slash Nightlight. We'll get that plug in again. And I'm very, very intrigued about this. I need to go and check it out. I had a little chance to read about it earlier. But I'm as, I'm as intrigued as what anybody is right now that's listening to this. So thanks very much for that.
3: It's it's something that um, I thought about because, you know, people say people aren't buying CDs anymore. And I thought, well, it's because they, they're looking for a more complete experience. And so I thought about this for a long time, worked for two years on this album, and even longer on the packaging concept. And, um, and you know, now this year... Um, this album has sold probably three, four times as many as any, any other album I've had I've put out. So it's uh, people are really gravitating towards it. So you know, again, you're, um, for your audience who are, are players, uh, it's it's great to find something uh, that's a little unique that uh, that people will really gravitate towards.
0: Absolutely. I'm sold on it. I'm getting myself a copy. Everybody should too. <laughs> Don't forget, of course, the website is murielanderson.com. Muriel, huge thank you for coming on today. We love, loved your guitar playing for a long period of time. I'll be checking out the new CD. Best of luck with the upcoming shows and, of course, the DVD and everything that goes along with it.
3: Oh, uh, Okay, well, thank you much.
0: Fantastic interview there. We loved it. We learned a lot. Brilliant. I am back with co-host, co-pilot Friend, five foot of beauty in a bottle and a jar. Ladies and gentlemen, oh. the dragon herself. NDG.
1: Hell yeah, I'm the flipping dragon.
0: No, no, no. NDG. Do you know what that stands for?
1: Nora Deborah jermaine
0: Hey, boom. Right, Nora, tell me, are you holding on to any past mistakes?
1: Maybe a little, yeah. I think everyone does a little bit. Help me. Well, uh, you know, we all carry on guilt in our lives about things that we should have done or maybe some time we wasted or, you know, if you try something out in life and then you realize it's not for you, you know, like if you move somewhere and then you realize you don't want to live there anymore. Um It's all a learning experience, though. You can't really feel down about the past because the past is always... And the past? Well, well, first off, it's gone, so there's nothing you can do about it. And second off, as long as you're always doing your best with what you've got in front of you at that time, you really can't blame yourself for doing anything wrong because all you did was the best you could do, you know? So... um, yeah, you know, also, you know, I'm vegan now. So yeah, all that bacon is like weighing on my conscience terribly, though. So.
0: Okay, Debs. Yeah, are your goals and dreams written down? Yes. Tell me.
1: They're all over my room. Actually, I keep post it notes and note cards, and I keep little um, notebooks that have like words in them. And then I have like word webs if you if do you yeah yeah you? yeah and then i also keep on my floor i've got large pieces of poster board which are about three feet by two feet and i've got a lot of those and on those i write down what i want um in different areas of my life and so yeah i've got a, i've got a lot of things written down and then of course i use my phone a lot too you know
0: the notes in your phone
1: yeah, well, I think when you write them down with paper, it m- might be better. I'm um, Trying to figure that out, but I but I definitely think it's important to write down, if you have an idea or a thought, to write it down, even if it's just in your phone, because um, first off, you don't want to forget it. And second off, if you write it down, that means that you're sort of cementing it in words into the back of your mind. And then I think that your subconscious has a way of like... Uh, using things that you think about, not on a daily basis, but things that are sort of in your back of your mind. Um, it like brings them forward at the right time. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like I could have in the back of my mind that I would really like to have a pink pony someday. And then I think at the right time to have a pink pony, if I write it down, I've cemented it into my brain. And then a few years later, whenever it happens, that there'll be an opportunity to get a pink pony. And in my head, I'll be like, oh, you really wanted a pink pony. This is the moment. And then you get your pink pony, you know? Versus if you just thought of it and didn't write it down, you might forget all about it. You know what I mean?
0: What is the biggest frustration you're facing now?
1: <sighs> um, time. Time is frustrating. Because, you know, we only have 24 hours a day and we have to spend like at least six to eight of them sleeping, which leaves about 18 hours, which is a lot of time. But, you know, in that time, you've got to shower, you've got to, you know, run your errands, you've got to feed yourself, you've got to do other things. And it's impossible, you know, to practice, to practice the whole day and then to work on music and to work on piano and work out and and work on the book and like all these things that I want to do every day. It's really hard to get them all done every day. So basically every day I work on something that I can work on, and then the next day I work on something else because there's just not enough time in the day to work on everything, you know? But, you know, you want to be healthy. You can't be working 18 hours a day without a break either. So time is tricky.
0: Nora. Yeah. Nora. Yeah. Are you able to say no even when it makes you unpopular?
1: But it makes me unpopular? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I say no all the time. Um, yeah. I mean, I actually just said no to something today (laughs) because, well, here's why it's because like, it goes back to the time thing. You know, I can say yes for my whole life, assuming I don't die, but I can say yes for my whole life. But, If I really want to do well in the things that I'm focused on right now, which is releasing my new stuff and um, sounding as good as I can, then I can't say yes because then it means I'll be saying no later. Like if you limit your freedom now, then you have more freedom later. And sometimes that means that some people are going to be a little bit irritated with you. But by saying no now, you can say yes later.
0: Like it, Nora. Yeah. Who are you becoming?
1: The Wicked Witch of the West. Nora. Combine Batman and a dragon.
0: <laughs> Nora. Last question.
1: Basically what expected, basically.
0: Yes. Nora. Yes. What gives you meaning?
1: um a few things i think uh friendship real friendship um great art whether it's great drama or dancing or for painting or of course music or something else great art nature the beauty of nature um and lemonade. You know, I think lemonade is a really good drink. I really, I can't tell you how much how much I like it. You know, it's vegan, and um, it's so easy to make, you know, and it's just the right combination of hydration and tartness with a little bit of sweet, and I like the color, too. That gives me meaning. A nice cold glass of lemonade.
0: We're getting very serious.
1: I know, I know, I
0: know. So while we're on the subject of being serious, because we're at this point now of where we're achieving this, I think, because everybody listens to this podcast and we all get criticized for just having a laugh about silly things all the time and not taking anything seriously. So I think we've proved right now, and we're going to continue to prove this last, last question, just how serious we can be and how thought-provoking and how introspective and how interesting and deep and meaningful this podcast can really get. With that being okay. said, Nora, would you rather secretly have sex with a goat or have everyone think you had sex with a goat even though you didn't?
1: Definitely. Wait, so if I actually do it, no one's going to find out?
0: Yes. So secretly have sex with a goat or have no, no. Ev- everyone think you had sex with the goat even though you didn't?
1: I'd rather have everyone think I did. Because at least they're talking about me, baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> so there's a rumor that you can go ahead spreading then because at least they're talking about. Any publicity is good publicity, unless your name's Gary Glow.
1: Or David Cameron.
0: Well, he's going through something similar right now. Anyway, allegedly, allegedly. Nora, any final thoughts?
2: I love you,
1: baby And if it's quite alright I need you, baby To warm the lonely night I love you, baby Trust in me when I say
0: I tell you what, if the Beatles ever had a bad song you know no, I, mean? I don't think so. Absolutely brilliant. Nora Germain on the podcast. Big thank you to Muriel Anderson. Uh, Nora Deborah Germain, of course, joining me on co hosting duties. ScottCowie.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Audio, boom. And of course, if you get the chance, check out MurielAnderson.com. Check out Nora Germain.com forward slash goats. And we will see you guys next week.
1: Yay!